to a, well, a, a somber edition of Never Ending Stories Today, a podcast about one of Bob Dylan's all-time great bandmates, collaborators, and uh, an artist in his own right, Robbie Robertson, who has just passed away at the age of 80. Yeah, it's, uh, it's another reminder that we have to value these people while they're here, you know, yes. and I think we do that on this show. We pay tribute to Bob Dylan and, and the many great uh, musicians that he's played with. But uh, there's so many of these giants that have been a part of our lives. I mean, you know, we all grew up in a world where Dylan and the band and all the music that they created, it was just a fact of life. And obviously the music is still here, but you fool yourself into thinking that these people are always going to be around. They seem indestructible mm. uh, even as they age and you know on a intellectual level that uh all things pass and and and, and people uh, fall away but with someone like robbie robertson he is in that class of artists that uh you know he does seem like a part of the architecture of the kind of music that we love uh and it's uh Shocking isn't the right word. Uh, it's not shocking when an eighty-year-old man dies, but right. it is a it is an opportunity to take stock of just an incredible life that this guy had. And I, I, I don't want to like monopolize our time here talking about Robbie, but I just wanted to say quick: I had the opportunity to interview Robbie Robertson five years ago uh, for my old podcast, Celebration Rock. It was for the occasion of the 50th anniversary of music from Big Pink. There was a new box set that came out about it. And Robbie came on my show, like my stupid little podcast. I couldn't believe (laughs) that I got to talk to him. And, you know, I was among the people who read Levon Helm's book, This Wheel's on Fire. And if you know anything about that book, you know that he goes after Robbie Robertson pretty hard. Not the fondest, uh, you know, description or remembrance of the man. (laughs) And and that book has really shaped how Robbie Robertson has been perceived for the last 30 years. And, you know, I don't really want to get into litigating the... uh, conflict between those two at the at, at this time and i mean really at this point it almost seems academic you know there's so much time that has passed and now they're both gone um but it it goes without saying i i think it's uh inarguable that robbie robertson's stature took a hit and it was very easy to slag him off as just this sort of arrogant jerk you know especially since levon helm is such a lovable person like right. no no one's going to go against him and I joined that mob, and after talking to Robbie Robertson, it really kind of changed my mind on a lot of things. Not only because he was such a gracious person uh, in conversation, and he was very loquacious, he had so many stories, but talking to him really drove home the fact that even if he was an arrogant person, that this guy has the resume 
to justify being arrogant. Mm. There's a lot of arrogant people out there who haven't done anything. <laughs> Robbie Robertson did a lot of stuff, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. And we could talk about the band, but even if we just talk about him with Dylan, he was a big part of Blonde on Blonde, a big part of the Basement Tapes. You look at in the 70s, playing on Planet Waves, doing the, the Last Waltz, doing the Before the Flood tour. Um, he's still, in my mind, the greatest guitar player to ever back up Bob Dylan. And, mm. you know, on the never-ending tour, you know, we, there's all these great people that we love, Larry Campbell, Charlie Sexton, the Blues Assassin, J.J. Jackson, all the way down the line, G.E. Smith. Um, but you listen to, like, the 66 tour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. Like, if I was that, it, listening it, to that just now a little it, bit. If that's all he did, that would he be. would be a legend. <laughs> you know, he, his yeah. playing on that tour is unbelievable. And to see how he was this hotshot guitar player with Bob Dylan and then totally put that aside when he started doing the band, it became a much more restrained guitar player. Like you listen to the band on the records, the guitar is very much in the background. And he was definitely the guy who organized that band and allowed all the people that we love in the band to shine, you know, all the different vocalists and right. Richard Manuel, Levon Helm, Rick Danko. Robbie was the one holding it down while those guys were out living the myth and partying and doing all the crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, he was like the designated driver of the band. <laughs> and that's not a very glamorous role. And certainly he was enumerated very well for that. Um, but uh, I don't know, just such a, just such a legend, and again, someone that you know that they're going to be gone one day. But it's it's kind of devastating when they do. You just don't expect. It, it's like watching a mountain disappear, right. you know, from the horizon that you've always looked at. Uh, so that's what I'm wrapping my head around right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, he was there from the very beginning with Bob. You know, not the very, very beginning, but like, you know, uh, about as close to that as you're going to get and still one of the artists who was like working and remained working and remained vital right up until, you know, here at the very end. He also did a ton of work with Sorsese and did a bunch of film scores. He, he was on the Irish one coming out. Ago. Um, he's yeah, doing he's, the score he for kill, no, he's had yeah, Killers the, of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Uh, so obviously working in a different kind of capacity than, uh, you know, Bob or some other folks, but, um, you know, uh, just another shining example of someone who was there almost at fucking ground zero square one and, and stuck with it through the years right up until the very end. And there are, there are only so many of these guys left at this point, you know, Bob himself obviously is still, rock solid there in the center uh god bless him knock on wood but there's one um, guy in the band who's still alive and it's garth hudson it's and what and remember that weird thing a year or two ago when people were like writing him letters or something you know i wrote him a letter i wrote garth i did because harry hugh was our beloved harry hugh from dylan twitter he was encouraging people to write garth hudson a letter because it appeared that he was about to pass or was not in good shape. And look, right. he, Garth Hudson, I believe, is 86 years old. He just celebrated his birthday. So Happy birthday, Garth. He the is letters the worked. Well, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Garth didn't write me back. I could appreciate a letter back there, Garth. But at any rate, um, yeah, four-fifths of the band is now gone. It's it, Garth is the last one, which is interesting that Garth is the 
is the last survivor, although it, it seems appropriate in some weird way. The issue or the, the topic that comes up about Robbie Robertson being a bit of a, a, a glory hog, uh, that kind of persona, um, that narrative, in a way, it's, it's, everyone's kind of lying if they don't like that. He's the guitarist for Bob Dylan. He's kind of representative, to me, representative of, in some way, a platonic ideal. One of these people who you think of as like, who would you want as your band? And you do want somebody whose personality is big enough, strong enough, they're memorable enough as a presence that they almost upstage, but never really do. And then he, I think, by making the band uh, seem to acknowledge something about that dynamic, the way the band exists and existed, their relationship to Dylan seems to understand that dynamic. Um, Just kind of a, a supporting pillar that happens to look really cool. And, it, it it's easy to complain about that until you, you re- realize how boring it could have been. Yeah, I mean, the thing that talking to him drove home to me is like, wow, this guy's really charismatic, mm. even in his 70s. And, you know, he was, you know, I don't know if he had like a respiratory thing, like he was breathing through his nose and it was very sort of, it wasn't labored, but, you know, it was... The thought I had was like, is this a result of all the cocaine that was ingested in the 70s? It just seemed like his nasal passages like were very noisy whenever he breathed. But he was such a captivating speaker. And he was this like great looking guy. He's a great looking guy. He wrote all the songs. You know, he had a French wife. You know, I think if you have this idea of the band being... Levon Helm, Richard Manuel, these sort of rough and tumble, hard drinking, hard partying guys. It's easy to look at Robbie Robertson. It's almost like the jocks versus the snobs right. mentality. Um, and I think it was very easy to fall into that binary. But, you know, the fact is, is that when you have a band and you can't have all party people, like there has to be someone who shows up and, and does the work. Someone's got to do it. It seemed like he was the one that was holding it together for a long time. And then there was the whole argument about the last waltz, you know, that the rest of the guys in the band didn't want to stop. And Robbie Robertson sort of unilateral, unilaterally decided to end the band. And Pulled the, the James guys, Murphy, you mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, but and the other guys just continued without him. And, you know, that was another big cause of certainly like Levon Helm's resentment. Um, But I don't know. Again, it... it that's like all history now. I mean, these guys are all gone. Like the the feud, I think, dies with Robbie. And he said that he reconciled with Levon before he died. I'd like to think that was true. Um, I got to say too, a big part of my love of Robbie Robertson is his solo work, and especially that first record, that self titled record, which. I've threatened to make you guys talk about no, it. We're going to have to talk about gonna, it at this point. <laughs> I, I think we have to do it now because that record is so... It's like the most Daniel Lanois record of all time. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many beautiful songs on it. I love the production. And uh, it is a huge departure from what he did with the band. Like, it, you know, he wasn't trying to sound... Like it was the late 60s. That record, in a way, is like the peak of like 80s rock 
Michelob CD music. Rock. Yeah, definitely CD rock music. But he did it in a way that was true to the spirit of his music and the you know the the the, the yearning for spiritual transcendence that exists in a lot of his music. Mm-hmm. It's also on that record. Uh so yeah, we definitely needed to talk more about that at some time, but I had to shout out Robbie Robertson's Robbie Robertson. Truly one of my favorite albums of all time. One of just very few solo records that he put out also, right? Because that, that didn't come out until 87. That's like over a decade after the band split, obviously. And then I think he only put out like three or four more records ever, really. And like one of them was a the soundtrack. Like, do you, do you have any idea or like, like concept of why he sort of willingly stepped away from making music and like being kind of center stage later in his life? I mean, I think he was doing a, a lot of different things. Like four years after the self-titled record, he put out an album called Storyville, which mm-hmm. is also, I think, quite good. And then, you know, he had a record called How to Be Clairvoyant, which is has like a lot of electronic music touches on it. I mean, he was definitely a guy that was not trying to recreate or repeat himself. Like he right. was constantly updating his music. And I don't have a tremendous amount of insight on this. I mean... But my feeling is that he was someone who uh, wasn't going to put something out unless he felt it was worth coming out, unless he felt like it was a serious evolution, a next step. You know, he wasn't going to write up on Cripple Creek again. You know, he was going to try to write something that was relevant to now. But yeah, you know, like Evan said... You know, he did the score for the next Scorsese movie, uh, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, you know. And the last one, uh, or he did the theme for The Irishman. Yeah. At least. So he's, I mean, so I think he always was doing something uh, up up through, you know, the very last years of his life. Yeah, up through the end, just not always interested in making, uh, you know, records to to put out there. I mean, just from a Bob centric perspective which i can't help but have like thinking about this guy and you know the legendary 1966 tour obviously as documented on all of those tapes you know any tape you listen from 66 just sounds still like it is gonna blow your blow your eyes out of your skull uh but what he's able to do with bob what he was able to do with bob you know and the rest of the band too but really robbie you know as as this lead guitarist's uh, uh, in 66, then doing all the basement tape shit with him in 67, then that beautiful, like, just one-night-only one 1969 performance at the Isle of Wight when they sound just like the, the greatest, like, smoothest kind of chugel rock band that ever existed. Uh, and then obviously into 74, both on Planet Waves and that beautiful Planet Waves sound. God, so much the <laughs> The crazy, just like, you know, uh, all-star fireworks rock and roll road show of the uh, uh, the tour from that year. Like, just his ability to kind of keep up with Bob over that extraordinary period and be this just essential element of all of that music. Like, behind Bob himself, I think Robbie's probably number two in terms of, like, just, like, you know, most important presence in all of that music making. It's... It's extraordinary, and, and I don't think he could have gotten that from another guitarist. As many great guitarists, like you've said, Stephen, as, as Bob goes on to play with, uh, Robbie's presence in all of that shit is just absolutely essential. Which puts him at the top of, like, import, like just top important. <laughs> I mean, that... Yeah, ever, exactly. Just to, just to think about the, the little decisions that could or could... That, that happened, we'll never know exactly why, but, I mean everything that shook out the way Dylan was in that time, the way that band sounded, it is all all wrapped up in his being involved in Robbie's energy and presence there. 
And without him, who knows what we wouldn't have gotten. Um, what what would have maybe been lacking with like someone slightly less present and fiery? What might have just been like the it could it could have been the difference between Dylan one day just being like, actually, uh, let's just skip it. Let's skip this song. Mm. Let's let's go move on to the next one. Just the excitement might not have been there. But you can tell in those recordings that there is no greater level of excitement. I mean, like Rolling Stone Live 1966, that is pinnacle excitement. So we know that something went incredibly right between these two. Well, and I have to go again. This is a controversial topic usually on this show, but you know, we, we're all going to be uh, celebratory today. But The Basement Tapes sure. is such a period of exploration for dylan and also the people in the band and like just how much of an aesthetic those guys invented in that time mm-hmm. i mean it just it changed like yeah certainly rock music forever and it, it it changed like what dylan did after that and that just leads into music from big pink the self-titled band record and just like how that influenced you know the grateful dead and yeah the con- yeah. Just country rock in general, Americana music. And to go back to my interview with Robbie Robertson, you know, again, I'm going into this interview with Levon Helm's book in my head and thinking like, oh, I wonder what this guy's going to be like. And you're talking to him and you realize, okay, we're talking about Blonde on Blonde. He's a central figure there. Now we're talking about the basement tapes. Now we're talking about music from Big Pink. <laughs> it's and, it's, and it's like this guy is at the center of some of the greatest music of all time. And, and it's in, it just dawned on me in the moment, like how could you ever slag this guy, no matter what personality conflicts he had with people in the band. And I'm sure that was real, but the guy's resume is second to none. I mean, just the, the, the number of achievements that he was involved in the number of just monumental moments, uh, it's just an incredible life. You Historical know. moments in, yeah, exactly. in, rock, in rock music, which I think as we, the reason for our show is always coming back to what, the lineage of these things and like how they re- react and chain together and create what we now know to be like the canon of modern rock music, which affects every other aspect of culture. There, These are historical figures. Like there is, if you're, Looking at uh, this with any kind of depth, you can't help but notice that the way that these people link together making music affects the world and the way people think. Uh, It's not always obvious, but it is absolutely 100% real. And uh, it's right there, like on record. And it just reminds you that this stuff had to be invented. It didn't just exist. Like, I know for me, it's very because a lot of this stuff predated when i was born and when you guys were born you know sometimes you think oh this just this just came out of the earth you know Mm. like it's just always been there and then you talk to the person and you're like oh no they had to invent this that you know he had to write the weight you know like that song was written that's not just like a song that is like a thousand years old, even though like that's how it sounds. It feels like, like it. it exactly. They, yeah. they had to nurture that into existence. And to talk about the basement tapes, I mean, fondly, which I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood. I think that we, when we talk with any critical eye about it, it's usually in the context of 
as an album, which is not really at this point how I think of it. As it's not really the best way to think about it. I know. I just I had to make that joke. Sure. I, no, I mean, we have reference. talked about it in in sort of like critical <laughs> terms. Um, but as a period of exploration, I think that is the best way to think about it. It's what, like what you said, it's that period of them nurturing this vernacular, this vocabulary, this way of being with music into existence. And there, it's this uh, incredible moment of there being what feels like endless time to play and figure out what is going on with like zero pressure. It's like rock music given a a private desert island where it just like acclimates and exists and evolves in, in peace. Yeah. I mean, the basement tapes in many ways, I think is, is like essential foundational, maybe like the common lineage, you know, point of origin for, everything that Bob is going to go on to do for the rest of his career, his willingness to, to throw it all away and, and reset and, and strike out in a completely unimagined uh, uh, direction and still find a new way forward without relying on what's worked for him in the past or, you know, uh, or returning to things that the fans might expect from him. And so, you know, it, 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 you see that repeated again and again over the ensuing decades. And like, like we've been saying, I think like if he didn't have the right people around him at that moment in time, Robbie, you know, chief among them, who knows if those tapes, that project would have been as successful and rewarding and brilliant as it ended up being for Bob. Uh, And who knows if he would have had this same sort of template and artistic practice just kind of drilled into him innately from such a young age. It's like, it really is kind of one of the sliding doors, like keystone moments in the man's entire, um, you know, career as, a, as an artist. And, and it's not just Bob. There's still artists renting a cabin up north somewhere yeah. with musicians mm-hmm. and they want to make their masterpiece. And, <laughs> the, the, and it's because of Bob Dylan and the band. Like that was the beginning of that. Like you go up north, you like you go out to the country in a house with your pals and you're going to explore american music and you're going to come up with something that no one's ever heard before yeah you make your new american music exactly and people are still doing that all the time it's like such an just the idea of it is so inspirational to people uh the problem is is that you're not bob dylan and robbie robertson right you know like that's 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 the problem usually like no matter how rustic your cabin is uh if you don't have the right people involved you're not going to end up with the basement tapes but but they also weren't that until they got together and and stayed together doing that stuff like on their own that couldn't have happened It, it really is this like fraternal uh communal warmth that is what makes that record those that collection of songs feel so generative and like it could just keep going on forever and that spirit clearly is um, still alive and clearly has influenced what so many people still love about like the Grateful Dead and, and any other band that's influenced by that ideal, this thing of just generating this music that is kind of bound together by the people in, in the room. It's really sad. 
I'm sad about this. This is really sad. This is like a big deal, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, we, 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 we're definitely going to talk more about Robbie Robertson on this show, either talk about the solo record. At some point we got to talk about tour 74. I want to do a last do 66, but oh, yeah, uh, we haven't done a, well, maybe this Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, he's going to be a fixture. We will we'll be returning to him again, I'm sure. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's sad. I got, again, I just feel like, you know, there was only one of this guy and he's gone, you know, and uh, it's it's hard to wrap your head around that he's not around anymore. So yep. it was going to have to do it, I guess. Be thankful uh, for what you have while you have it, folks. I don't believe it's all for nothing. It's not just written in the sand. Sometimes I thought you felt too much And you crossed into the shadow land And the river was overflowed And the sky was fiery red You gotta play the hand that's dealt you That's what the old man always said Gabriel, blow your 